One verse of scripture today to kick us off, Psalm 23 and 4, simply says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I want you to repeat after me. I will fear no evil. If you got a pen, you can underline that word, no. There's no evil that we should fear. Why? For you... And that you is capitalized, pointing to God himself. You are with me. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Today I want to talk about what happens when panic attacks. How do we deal with panic attacks. I'm not sure if you've heard, but there's this thing going around called the coronavirus. That was a joke because I know all of you have heard it. You've seen it. It's been on the 24-hour news cycle. It's all over social media feeds. It's on the headline of newspapers across the nation. The crazy thing is that the term COVID-19 didn't even exist in our vocabulary last year. Everybody was prophesying about 2020. How it's going to be the best year ever. I thought 2020 was going to be the year of your breakthrough. <laughs> Not the year of virus breakout. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly this thing has evolved and captured all of our attention. For those of you who are wondering what COVID-19 is, it is an abbreviation for Coronavirus Disease 2019. In fact, the word coronavirus is actually a term that's been around for years. It was first used in 1968, and coronaviruses are a large family of viruses that are common in people and in different species of animals. The name coronavirus speaks to how the virus looks under a microscope. Corona is not a reference to the popular beverage. <laughs> the word corona is actually Latin for crown. And so when the first scientists saw the coronavirus years ago, they looked at it and it looked like a solar corona. What you see on one side of this image is a solar eclipse and that glow around um, the moon is a solar corona. So this, this family of viruses, they are shaped kind of like a solar corona, which calls it, um, which is why it's called a coronavirus. Now, there are many types of coronavirus. Uh, many of you who are conspiracy theories, you looked at your Lysol bottle, you saw coronavirus, and you said, look, 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 I told you this has been around for years. Well, yes and no, because coronavirus is a family of viruses, but there's been a new novel virus of coronavirus that has popped up, which is COVID-19. A novel virus is a strand of a virus that we've never seen before. And if we've never seen it before, that means that there's no vaccinations against it and there is no cure for it, which is why it's very, very dangerous. We call it COVID-19, and there have been all types of um, numbers supporting the spread of this virus, since December 31st, 2019 in Wuhan, China, um, there was an outbreak in Wuhan, and 
It's spread all across the world, and entire countries have essentially shut down from this virus, which is spreading. Interesting thing is that 93% of people who test positive for COVID-19 to this date experience mild symptoms, fever, cough, and shortness of breath. In fact, some people have no symptoms at all, but it's most severe for older adults and people who have serious serious chronic medical conditions like heart disease, diabetes, and lung disease. But once again, um, the concern is that it's spreading very, very quickly between people. And since there are no vaccines and no cures, it puts a demand on the healthcare system that cannot be sustained. The very first known death of um, coronavirus, COVID-19, was January 11th. By January 23rd, the entire city of Wuhan, China, consisting of 11 million people, was under quarantine. By January 30th, the World Health Organization declared the outbreak a public health emergency with more than 9,000 cases worldwide and 18 countries beyond China. And on February 29th, there was the first recorded coronavirus death in the U.S. and Washington state. And things have been crazy in America ever since. So crazy that popular festivals were millions of people and thousands of people attend have been canceled. Festivals like the South by Southwest and Coachella were canceled because of the spread of this virus. The NBA season has been postponed, right as my Lakers just took down the Milwaukee Bucks and the Clippers, sitting at the top of the Western Conference. And now there has to be a break, and we don't know when the season is going to start back up again. The NCAA basketball tournament has been canceled, by which my Yale Bulldogs, my alma mater, got a bid to the tournament that they can't even play in because everybody's concerned about the coronavirus. Even though the NCAA tournament has been canceled, we still have March Madness. What's March Madness? School districts being closed for weeks. And many of you parents said, I'm not worried about the coronavirus, I'm worried about my kids. Driving me crazy for two weeks. And now that your kids are home, chances are you can't work like you normally work. Which means that if you're an hourly worker, you're concerned as to whether or not you're going to have enough hours to make ends meet. Governors are banning large gatherings. And on top of that, people are fighting over toilet paper. I literally saw a video where a woman had a cart of toilet paper, like the big, the big rolls, the big multi-packs, this woman and her friend had like at least eight packs of those in her cart. And then there's this one woman who just had one and they were fighting over that one pack of toilet paper. And the person was trying to protect her pack was getting attacked by the person who had eight or nine packs. And the woman was like, I just, can I just have one? I mean, there's not that much toilet paper or toilet paper activity in one household. What are you doing? (laughs) You need. But that's the hysteria. That's where people are. People are fighting over toilet paper. This pandemic is causing panic. And the problem with panic during a pandemic is that the panic now becomes more detrimental than the disease and the illness that everybody's trying to avoid. 
because it is the madness of people doing things that are irrational that cause more public health issues than the actual illness itself. Here's a definition of panic. Panic is a sudden, overwhelming fear or anxiety that produces irrational behavior. Panic is due to overwhelming fear. You start to get anxious, and now your mind starts playing tricks with you. You start thinking things that aren't rational because of the fear and the anxiety that's overtaking you. Panic often spreads quickly through a group of people. You know, one way of dealing with the coronavirus and COVID-19 is basic hygiene. First off, washing your hands regularly over and over again can help halt the spread of COVID-19. That's why we have opted in this loving environment to just hit you up with the Wakanda forever instead of shaking hands and giving kisses because we want to stop the spread of the virus through basic common sense type of stuff, things that we should have learned a long time ago and been practicing, yet we've lost sight. And so this is just a reminder of good hygiene. But what's spreading even faster than COVID-19 is this fear and hysteria. Because the moment you see one person panicking, then we tend as people to begin to panic. So when you walk through the store, listen, you already got 12 rows in your house. Here's how panic affects you. When you walk through the stores and you see the shelf bare and you see everybody else walking with toilet paper, instinctively you think, well, let me get some too. If everybody else is grabbing stuff, let me grab something. Because the panic causes you to do things that are irrational. And then you go to the store and you start buying all types of food that there's no possible way that you can eat all of that food during the week or two weeks, right? And, and you start to make decisions because everybody else is making decisions. And then you start, you start wondering, have I done enough? Panic. And once panic gets in you, all logic is thrown out the window. Listen, it's one thing to take precaution. It's another thing to panic. We have to learn how to take precaution, but not panic. Precaution is going to the grocery store and getting what you need for your family. Panic is wiping out the shelves and taking stuff that other people need. Precaution is washing your hands often. Panic is believing that you're automatically going to get the coronavirus because somebody coughs. Listen, precaution is recognizing that you are in the at-risk population and being selective about where you go and where you won't go. Panic is believing that just because you're at risk, that you're going to die. And it sounds crazy, but these are the types of thoughts that pop into our heart and pop into our head. Now, for those of us who are spiritual, those of us who are believers, we understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and wickedness and rulers in high places, that we have an adversary, the devil, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy so he can take a public health crisis and go crazy. Now it's beyond just the spread of COVID-19. Now there is the transmission of fear, doubt, and discouragement. Now we have the impact of an adversary, the enemy, who is taking opportunity, taking advantage of this perfect storm to not only discourage the saints, but to keep people who need to know Jesus from knowing him. 
And so it's important for us as believers, we should ask ourselves the question, how are we handling this pandemic? Are we buying into panic? Are we walking in peace? Are we buying into the panic? Or do we still have praise on our lips? Are we buying into the panic? Or are we becoming part of the problem? I hope you realize that there are people watching you right now, if you claim to be a believer, watching you, wondering how you're going to respond so they can make some value judgment about what you believe. Because it's easy to talk about Jesus and what we believe when everything is good. It's much harder when we're under stress. It's much harder when we've been laid off. It's much harder when we're dealing with our own health challenges to give God glory. But there are people who are watching you and they want to know if what you believe it's true. They want to know if what you believe is applicable, not just in the good times, but also in the bad times. So I want to encourage you, believers, that in the midst of all of this panic, I want to encourage you to take precaution. But don't you ever forget that God is in control. Don't you ever forget that God still sits on the throne. Don't you ever forget that God is worthy to be praised in good times and in bad times. Don't you ever forget that we serve a God who sits on the throne. Panic is a sudden, overwhelming fear or anxiety that produces irrational behavior. But I'm so, so, I'm so glad that we serve a God who helps us to overcome fear. Like I said, panic is a sudden, overwhelming fear or anxiety that produces irrational behavior. But I'm so glad that we have a set of scriptures that deal with specifically fear and anxiety. There are scriptures all across the Old Testament and the New Testament that speak directly to fear. There are scriptures in the New Testament that speak directly to anxiety. Let me give you a couple of them that I'm sure you've probably heard over these past few weeks and you're going to continue to hear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. In the midst of a pandemic where everybody is panicking, where everyone is giving themselves to fear and anxiety, it's important that we remember that God has not given us the spirit of fear. So when fear is creeping up into our hearts and into our minds, we have to rehearse this scripture. We have to speak this scripture. We train our kids in our household that when they are afraid or they find themselves fearful of something, we rehearse this scripture. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And the same thing that we teach our children is the same thing that we can practice for ourselves. When you feel yourself getting anxious, when you feel yourself getting afraid, I'm trying to give you some stuff that's going to help you because you can't stay in this sanctuary forever. You've got to go back into the wild. You've got to go back home. You've got to go back and see what's on the television screen and get the next new news about how this thing has evolved, how there are new problems and new challenges. But with every bit of information you get, rehearsing your heart that God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Of power, you need to know that you have an authority as a believer. You have been given authority from Christ himself. Authority first and foremost to rule yourself well, self-control, a sound mind. You have the ability to control your actions. 
You shouldn't be pushed and prompted by what other people are doing. You should have a relationship with the Lord. If you have a relationship with the Lord, then the Holy Spirit is inside of you. If the Holy Spirit is inside of you, the Holy Spirit can help you sift and navigate through information so that you can make the best decision for you and your household. We have to activate the Holy Spirit in this hour and walk with power and a sound mind. Somebody say sound mind. My mind is sound right now. My mind is steady right now. I'm filtering what I see on Fox News. I'm filtering what I hear on CNN. I'm filtering what I'm reading on my Facebook page. And everything is being filtered by the Holy Spirit because my mind is sound. Everything might be crazy, but I'm not going to panic because God is the God over my mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm going to share another scripture that blesses me often. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. The problem with the church is that we hear scriptures and we treat them like fairy tales. We'll come in, we'll sing, and we'll shout, and we'll nod our head when the preacher is preaching, but we won't apply what the scripture teaches. The scripture says that if you are anxious, you should be anxious for nothing. Nothing is an absolute turn. There's nothing on this work, earth that should have us anxious. Because the scripture says, be anxious for nothing. It's natural to feel a little fear and anxiety, but you can't stay in that place. You can't let anxiety dwell in your hearts, dwell in your mind, dwell in your house. This is helpful outside of the coronavirus because some of us have allowed fear to stay too long in our houses, in our homes, in our conversation, and in the way that we live. It's time for you to evict anxiety. Scripture says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god somebody say everything bring everything to the lord in prayer everything in the lord to prayer i just got laid off from my job well that's an opportunity to pray i just found out that i have cancer that's an opportunity to pray I just found out that my 401k dropped 10%. That's an opportunity for prayer. The scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Not only should we tell God what's on our heart, we should thank him for what he's already done. So in other words, I just got a cancer diagnosis, but I still have clarity of thought. I still have the ability to walk. I still have the ability to live. So I'm going to thank God for the help that I do have while I pray that my health will be restored in this particular area. Yes, I just lost my job, but I still have food on my table. I still have people who love me. I still have a place where I can go knock on the door and get a meal. I still have people who care about me. Yes, I feel bad that I don't have my job, but I also give God thanks for what he's already provided be anxious for nothing but with all things in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving we have to be thankful for what we've got you might only have five rolls of toilet paper in your house with seven people but you ought to thank God for the toilet paper that you do have and ask God supernaturally that he will provide because I tell you if you just keep on praying and connect with the right people God will supply your needs sometimes he does it supernaturally sometimes he sends things that we don't deserve but he still provides us sometimes he sends somebody to check on us and they have exactly what we need give thanks in the midst of pandemic give thanks in the midst of difficulty give thanks in the midst of trouble give thanks in the midst of problems give thanks in the midst of whatever you're going through i dare you right now to thank god i dare you to start counting your blessings 
I dare you to start thinking about what God has done for you in your past, what he did for you last week, what he did for you this morning. If you begin to reflect on how good he is, then there should be thanksgiving on your lips and thanksgiving in your heart. Give God thanks for what he's already done. Hallelujah. Thank him. And this is strategic to helping us with our anxiety. Because when you're anxious, you're focused on what's not right. And here's the thing about anxiety. There can be fears that aren't even founded. You can have anxiety for what hasn't even happened yet, but because your mind is all twisted, you think it's going to happen. But that's just fear trying to keep you from being faithful. The enemy has the ability to cause us to think that things are bigger than they appear. It's like on your rear view mirror when you're driving and, and, and there's something on the back of that rear view mirror that says things, objects are, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Things appear to be one way, but because of the optics of the mirror, they appear bigger than they actually are. And I'm here to tell you that there's an adversary, the devil, his bark is bigger than his bite. And with the bark, he can keep people in a tailspin. With the bark, with just a hint of bad news, he knows how bad news can start to get into our mind, get into our heart, and create this whole other universe of trouble that hasn't even arrived yet. But when you learn how to deal with anxiety, when you learn how to embrace gratitude, when you learn how to embrace thankfulness, it has a miraculous ability to put things in context for you. So the scripture says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We're dealing with intimacy. This is why it's important to have a relationship with God that is intimate so that you can talk to him. So you can have conversation with him. So that you can tell him, as the song says, all about your troubles. He'll hear your famous cry and he'll answer by and by. As we move forward, I feel a boomerang anointing. A boomerang anointing is where the things from the past come back to apply to our future as if they are new, but this is what got our parents and our grandparents through. Our grandparents didn't have the greatest education. They didn't have access to the internet. They didn't have access to all of the modern technology that we have, but they had a resolute spirit. They had the ability to endure much worse things than what we're dealing with, and yet they were still able to hold on to their faith raised nine and ten and twelve kids in the same household three bedrooms twelve people in the same house and yet everybody made it everybody's alive everybody's well everybody ate didn't have a part-time job only had partial income but somehow some way god would multiply the beans and the rice and the cornbread and the collard greens and the soup grandmama would make a soup and everybody would eat it was like a bottomless pit because grandmama knew that god was a provider and God would send provision through every type of mean and every type of way because she knew how to trust God. So there's certain things we got to get back to. We got to learn how to trust God in spite of. Sometimes your intellect can get into the way. We know too much. Some of y'all, the more you begin to Google the coronavirus, the more anxious you got, the more scary you got, the more paranoid you got. But there's a point where you got to shut your computer screen and open up your prayer closet. There's a point where you got to put your phone down and stop scrolling and open up the original scrolls, open up the book and start to reflect on what the scripture says. I know we're informed. I know we're taking precautions. But as Bishop McLaughlin preached earlier this week, we have to be both practical and prayerful. Don't miss the prayer in the midst of the practicality. Yes, we have hand sanitizer. Yes, we're disinfecting 
doorknobs and we're disinfecting rooms. But don't you dare forget that Jesus is more powerful than every disease, every problem, every difficulty that you might face. We got to get back to keeping the main thing, the main thing. And maybe God will allow an epidemic to come so that the people of God can get back in position. Maybe it takes him shutting down entire cities and shutting down entire communities for the church to get back to the place of prayer. Maybe this is a test for the people of God to see how we really love him and how we really serve him and how we're really willing to treat other people. Maybe this is a test for the body of Christ to see how generous we really are and how kind we really are and how compassionate we really are. Maybe this is a test. And one thing I know about me is that I don't like to fail tests. I want to pass the test, but you have to have a desire to pass the test. You don't want to pass the test and just keep doing what you're doing. But one day we're going to have to be accountable for every piece of content that God placed in front of us, every ounce of homework that he's sending us. What's homework when you're at home and you have an opportunity now to pray, but you're still scrolling? <laughs> that's, that's a quiz, y'all. God is testing us to see how much we really love him. Some of you pray for more prayer time. You got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. But the question is, are you going to continue to make excuses and blame the kids when it's really you? Can I mess with you for just a second? No matter what the situation or circumstance, you are always you. And you're waiting for other things to change, and God wants you to change. So in the midst of less than ideal circumstances and situations, we've got to get to the place where we do what we're supposed to do because it's right. So God is asking us, where's the church? Where's the church? He's not just talking about the physical building and the local congregation. He's talking about the people of God, the people of God, because in so many ways we've strayed. Yeah, we have. We've strayed access to more translations of the Bible than we've ever had in modern history. And yet we still don't read access to more conferences and more opportunities. But yet we go to the conferences and we come back still empty because we're looking for someone else to do what we must do for ourselves. You go to the conference filled up to connect with people of power so you can come back with more supernatural power, not just going and bouncing from place to place because you are empty. And that's how we treat church and ministry and service. We come in empty looking for somebody to just fill us up until we overflow, yet we're not doing anything to fill ourselves up during the week. And if we have more word in us, and if we spend more time with God, And if we invested more time in our spiritual growth and development than we do all other areas of our life, then when things like this pop up, we would already know what to do. Because if you read the scriptures, the scriptures are clear that there will be wars and rumors of wars and pestilence. The scriptures are clear that in these last days, we're going to deal with all types of stuff. So for the body of Christ, this shouldn't be a surprise. This should just be a reminder. It should be a reminder of our first love. It should be a reminder of the fact that we have a commitment to seek the face of the Lord in good times and in bad times. And when we apply what the scripture teaches, we experience the benefit of the word. Because the scripture says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Scripture says literally that when we do this, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Family, I want to tell you there is a peace that is greater than your intellect. Sometimes you have to tell your mind to sit down and shut up. I'm not anti-intellectual. I'm just saying that your mind can take you places, running away to places and imaginations and things 
that God hasn't authorized you to go towards. There is a supernatural peace, the type of peace that causes you, while everybody else is going crazy, to just rest in the Lord. Your coworkers need to see a supernatural peace. Your neighbors need to see a supernatural peace that surpasses your comprehension and your understanding. And if you have not experienced it yet, I pray that you get to the place in the Lord where you just rest in his peace. Oh, yeah, I just got a foreclosure notice, but I'm resting in his peace. Supernatural. I just lost my job, but there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. If you want it, you ought to ask for it. (laughs) This peace will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, which brings us to our focal passage for today. Psalm 23, David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In these times, we must see the Lord as a shepherd. Shepherds have to spend time with their sheep. God is great and mighty and expansive, but he is also near. This is one of the miraculous realities of the God that we serve. He's so big that he stands outside of time, space, and matter. He spoke the world into existence, let there be, and there was, and boom, boom, there it is. Everything that we see. But he was standing outside of time, space, and matter when he did that. God is so God that he's everywhere at once. But he is such a loving shepherd that he is intimate with his sheep. Intimate in the sense that wherever you see the shepherd, you see the sheep. There is proximity that comes from having a shepherd. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. God is not somewhere over the rainbow. God is here with us now. He is our shepherd. And because he is our shepherd, we shall not want. The grocery store might be empty, but we shall not want. I might have reduced hours on my job, but I shall not want. Woo! Y'all look like y'all going through something. But the scripture just said that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Whatever's got your mind right now, park it. And focus on this word. Your deliverance has already been declared. Because the scripture says that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. That's enough right there. That's enough right there to shout. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. The grocery store might be empty, but I shall not want. 401k going down, but I shall not want. Stock market going down, but I shall not want. Now the scripture says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Maybe everything is being shut down and God is making you lie down in green pastures. A few weeks ago, I preached about the power of interruption. Sometimes we're just going through the motions and God will interrupt our regularly scheduled programming to bring us back to a place where we can be intimate with him. Sometimes God will allow a pandemic. Sometimes God will allow a problem. Sometimes God will allow situations and circumstances to bring his people back to a place where he makes them lie down in green pastures. Maybe everything is shutting down for a divine reason. 
And as he makes us lie down in green pastures, he leads us beside the still waters. Last week, we talked about the thirst trap. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Here's the thing about water. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can lead a sheep to water, but you can't make them drink. Even now, while some of y'all are sitting distracted, y'all are doing other things, God is laying out green pastures. He's laying out still waters. But you got to make the choice and decision as to whether or not you're going to eat what he's putting and drink what he's providing. Green pastures, still water. Green pastures, still water. We can be so busy, so distracted, so in our own little world that we miss the provision that God has given us even in the midst of a shutdown. He's providing us with green pastures, still waters. But you got to decide to drink and want to drink. But he's providing us. So not only does he make us lie down to green pastures, he leads us beside the still waters. But the scripture says in verse 3 that he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So not only does God meet my physical needs, but he addresses my spiritual needs. And while everybody's running around trying to meet their spiritual needs in the midst of this pandemic, my question is, who's focusing on their spiritual needs? Because let me tell you something. The coronavirus uh, can affect your immune system, but it can't affect your soul. Thank you for the four or five people. I'm, I'm, I'm coming for the enemy today because the enemy wants to keep us in a place of being powerless without understanding that we have the greatest power. Without understanding what has already been provided for us. If we're saved, if we know Jesus, then we have nothing to fear. Scripture says he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Did you know that the coronavirus can affect your immune system, but it can't touch your soul? What good is a strong immune system if your soul is all jacked up? Oh, come on, what, what, what good is it to put hand sanitizer on your hands to protect you from the coronavirus, and yet your soul is wicked? What good is it for you to self-quarantine and isolate yourself and still not know Jesus and have a relationship with your creator? God not only wants to address our physical, he wants to address our soul. And sometimes strategically he addresses the physical to set us up so that our soul can be addressed. Which is why we as a church, as a ministry, we meet the felt needs of people. We're constantly serving people. That's what we call Matthew 25 ministry. Where we go out and we help those who need help. But our soul's desire is that through the help that people would come to know the love of Jesus working through the church. That we would plant seeds and that those seeds would grow and that people would get saved. Because ultimately what they need is salvation believers we need our souls restored how do we know if we need our souls restored we need our souls restored and we've been focused more on getting stuff for our house rather than seeing the times of that day that we live in what I mean by that you can get so caught up trying to get the Trader Joe's and trying to get the BJ's to get stuff for your house that you don't consider the status of your spiritual house when stuff starts happening in the news, we've been trained that you need to have a newspaper in one hand, a Bible in the other hand. If you spend more time researching the virus 
than spending time asking the Lord, Lord, what are you doing in these days? What are you doing in this hour? Then we need our souls restored. We need our souls refreshed. We need our souls restored. We need our souls refreshed. Because when all this crazy stuff is going on in the world, it should cause you to say, Lord, what are you doing? How are you moving? How are you speaking? Believers, we need our souls restored. But we also need to lead people to the good shepherd. People need hope and truth in the time of crisis. People need the gospel. They need to see the gospel working through individuals and the gospel working through the church. Whenever there's crisis, it's a great opportunity to spread the good news of Jesus. Whenever there are problems that are widespread, it causes people to start asking questions about who they are, asking questions about how they live, asking questions about what happens next. Let me tell you something about death. Death is a reality. But I can tell you today in this pulpit, that if I get infected with the coronavirus and die, it's not over for me. Because I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> You're going to leave one way or the other. I'm praying it's not the coronavirus. I'm praying it's not COVID-19. I'm praying it's not cancer. I'm praying it's not a car accident. I'm praying it's not some freak accident while you're just walking down the street. Life inherently has risk, but we have a hedge against our risk. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe in Jesus and we believe that when it's all said and done, if I leave tomorrow, I'm going to heaven. If I leave today, I know what my eternal security is. I know who my father is and I know that eventually I'll be with him. Death is a reality. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Death can be a shadow. A shadow appears but has no real impact but it's just a silhouette of what's happening. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There's certain things. It might seem like you're going to die, but if it's not your time yet, it's not your time yet. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's certain things that come into your life to threaten you, but they're not here to take you out because it's not your time. You didn't know that when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you have mountaintop seasons and you have valley seasons. Some of you are in the valley season right now which is why you can't respond to the word because you're in the valley. But let me teach you how to praise him in the valley, how to worship him in the valley. And the scripture says that the good shepherd is with you in the valley. The good shepherd is with you in the valley. He'd be a bad shepherd if he was only with you on the mountaintop. The shepherd that I serve is with you in the valley. He's in the valley. He's in the low places with me. He's walking with me through the shadow of death. In the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's when the death is just a shadow. But what about when death arrives? Because the reality is that death is a part of life. Difficulty is a reality of life. But we serve a God who walks with us. Scripture continues to say, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. When you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and there are times where things come against you, enemies, as the scripture says, God has the ability to prepare a table for you in the midst of your enemies. If it's not your time, it's not your time. If it's not your time, that means that the weapons might be formed, but they shall not prosper. And I'm just crazy and charismatic enough to believe that the blood of Jesus still works. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm still crazy enough that yes, I have my hand sanitizer, but I still have my oil. 
Yes, I'm just crazy enough to believe that, that we should wash our hands, but we've also been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And you can walk in both tensions. Yes, I understand public health, but I also understand the power of Jesus. You, you, you walk in those. I'm just crazy enough to pray that the death angel would pass over my house and the house of everybody connected to me. I'm just crazy enough to pray like that. And you should be crazy enough to pray like that. But let me help you out with this concept of preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. We give way too much focus on our haters. Because right now, y'all said enemies. I know who my enemy is. Mm-hmm. Always looking at my Facebook page, but not liking nothing. I know who my enemy is. She ain't like me since I was in the seventh grade. I know who my enemy is. He always bothering me and messing with me. No, y'all thinking about people. But 1 Corinthians 16 and 26 says that the last enemy is death. Can I mess with your theology for just a second? You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Sure, this can be applied to the literal enemies we might have in this earth. But let us not forget the last enemy of death. And God has prepared a table. Every first Sunday we have communion. And we prepare a table. We partake of the bread, which represents his body, which was broken. We partake of the cup, which represents his blood, which was shed. We prepare a table to be reminded that the last enemy, which is death, has been conquered. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. If it's God's will that I survive this, I'm not afraid. If it's my time, I'm not afraid. Because surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's not talking about you bringing a tent to 35 Benham. Say, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's not talking about that. I believe this is an allusion to an eternal house of worship. An internal place that's prepared for a people. That one day when we're in heaven, there will be no wars or rumors of wars. He shall wipe every tear from the eyes of his people. There's a place, a prepared place called heaven where there are no epidemics or pandemics. In fact, heaven is a sanitized place where there is no sin. Wherever there's sin, there's destruction, there's decay, there's death. But because Jesus died on the cross, the final enemy was conquered. As I look at the stats, I'm praying that that recovery rate goes up you need to know that since they've been tracking COVID-19, that 93% of the people who've gotten it have recovered. Reality, there's still a death rate of 7%. 
In our compassion, our desire is that none would die and none would perish. The reality of life is that every single day people leave this earth. Every single day people pass from this realm to the next. The question becomes, where will they dwell? It's uncomfortable for people to think about. Agnostics say, I believe there's something. I just don't believe that Christianity is it. Atheists are hedging their bet that God does not exist. Other world religions emphasize different methods, acts of their hands, works of their life to hopefully, maybe, just maybe, get in. Our worldview is the only one that emphasizes God's effort to get to mankind. Why am I saying this to a congregation of people, most of you who are saved? You need to understand the gospel in these days. And when we see Christians running around, operating in fear. Watch this. When we see Christians who have the wrong perspective on the kingdom of God, people who are just focused on seeing God as someone who provides for their needs now, people who just see God as some divine genie who just blesses them. And too often in Christian circles, we've painted the wrong picture of the God whom we serve. Because he's not just the God of our blessing, he's also the God who is with us in the midst of our suffering. Here's the reality. There have been Christians across the world who have succumbed to the coronavirus. So even in our crazy charisma of believing God and believing God, which we are, it's important that we realize that we're not going to be on this earth forever. It's a tension that we walk in. It's the inherent risk of living. But you want to know a greater risk? Living your life apart from God? You want to know a greater risk? Not accepting Jesus as Lord? You want to know a greater risk? Even if you are saved, a greater risk than COVID-19? As you get into heaven and having a conversation with the Father, and realizing that you missed the mark and you didn't do what he told you to do. The greater risk for those of us in the body of Christ is that we survive this thing and we still miss the moment. Many of us begin to prepare our, our houses in the natural. We begin to stock up in the natural. There's a parable that Jesus taught about a man who found a treasure in a field. After he found that treasure in a field, he went home, came back, and bought the entire field because what was in that field was so precious and so valuable. Why are we dealing with intimacy? Because many of us treat our relationship with God as if it's not valuable. We could take it or leave it. We treat our relationship with God as if it's optional. We treat our relationship with God as if it's an addition to our spiritual resume and that somehow we get brownie points because we come to service on Sunday and we serve in a ministry or two or three. 
And God is saying, I'm trying to open the eyes of the church. I'm trying to open the eyes of my people. If my people who are called by my name. Not if my people who continue to play church in the midst of a pandemic. Not my people who just continue doing what they're doing without recognizing the spiritual signs. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. Repent. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. And I will heal their land. These are times of great repentance. I wish I could have just preached you happy about about surviving the pandemic, but walking in attention. But what if I told you it's time to get your life right? What if I told you it's time for you to stop playing with the things of God? What if I told you that prophetically speaking, the fact that within a week's time, you can have so many churches having to make a decision as to whether or not they can gather or not gather, Maybe, just maybe, prophetically, God is reminding us how we should cherish coming together. Watch this. Because there is a possibility, even in this great land, that there can come a time where the government can tell you if you can or you can't. So while we plan and just going through the motions, God is making us lie down in green pastures. God is leading us beside the still water. God is offering to restore our souls. He wants your soul restored because it's hard for a broken soul to bring broken people to restoration. Hear what I'm saying right now. God is trying to get the attention of his people God is trying to bring a level of healing and restoration to his people because in these last days, we need every soldier in the body of Christ ready to respond to the needs of those who are lost and broken. And we can't be so caught up in our own personal drama. We can't be so concerned about our temporal issues that we miss our calling to make disciples. Because we should know who our shepherd is already, 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 already. I'm not giving anybody a reminder. This is stuff we should already know, particularly for those of us who've been walking with him for a long time. So this is a test for those of us who are mature in the faith. The test is coming to us the greatest question is how are you going to spend your private time during this shutdown the question is how are you going to address your fear your paranoia the question is how are you going to respond are you going to be like the sons of Issachar who understand the times and know what to do or are you going to get caught up in the panic of everyone else For anybody that's watching online right now, I'm sure the numbers of the broadcast are, are up. I'm sure there may be even be, there might even be people, you don't even regularly attend New Vision, but 
because you heard that so many churches were going to be online. You got on Facebook today looking for a service to connect with. You chose New Vision. We're honored that you would choose to spend these two hours with us because you could have been anywhere doing anything. I want to speak to you directly and tell you that if you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you have not given your life to Jesus, there are two options according to the scripture. We don't like to talk about this, but people are dropping this earth. Listen, COVID-19 was not part of our lexicon three months ago. And here we are today. It's overtaken our society. How quickly things can change within two weeks or three months. I'm here to tell you that scripture speaks of a heaven. Scripture speaks of a hell. Scripture is clear that there's only one way to heaven, one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm here to tell you that it is God's will that none should perish. According to John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We were born into a broken situation because of sin. We were born into a broken situation. If you've ever wondered why there's so much disease, why there's so much illness, why there's so many bad things that happen even to good people. We as Christians, we ascribe it. We, we connect it to the reality of sin. Sin is real. And sin is the reason why we live in a broken world. And the effects of sin affect people. But I want to let you know that we're praying for you regarding this COVID-19. We're praying for your safety. But I also want to let you know that we're not just concerned about your physical well-being. We're concerned about your soul. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the answer. I'm here to tell you that Jesus has given the invitation for you to submit your life to him. According to the scripture, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, what does belief in your heart mean? It means that you recognize him as Lord and Savior. If he's Lord and Savior, you recognize that he died on the cross for your sins. Once you recognize that he died on the cross for your sins, you must agree that sin is bad and turn from sin. Turn from wickedness. Make a U-turn and head in a different direction. Change your mind about the way that you're living and receive Jesus Christ as Lord. I'm here to tell you that even though you're sitting in your living room, even though you're watching from your phone, right now, the Holy Spirit could move in your heart. And you're feeling that you need to make that decision today. Tomorrow is not promised. Literally speaking, if you would have told me two weeks ago that we'd be in a place where there was a government ban on large gatherings, I would have laughed and said, that's not possible, even in the U.S. of A. But we're here just as a reminder of how quickly things could change. You might have had business and contracts that you were looking forward to in May and June. There have been conference after conference after conference that have been canceled, events that have been canceled, entire organizations that have been postponed. Why? Because tomorrow is not promised. And just like that, everything can change. But let me tell you that today, everything can change for you. Receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. All you have to do is say, Lord, save me. I repent for my sins. I want you to be Lord over my life. He'll meet you wherever you are. And in this room, if you're not right with the Lord, get right with him now, today. Don't put off tomorrow. 
what you should do today. And if it seems like I'm fussing, you need to know that what I see happening in the world, things might get worse before they get better. So it's important for you to get right. If you're engaged in sin, continual habitual sin, God is trying to make you lie down in green pastures, leading you beside still waters. He wants you to walk on paths of righteousness. He wants you to make a decision in this hour. He gives us space and opportunity. With all this craziness, there's still compassion because we're still alive and there's still an opportunity to repent and to turn and to come back to him. He's saying, I need you to come to me. For those of us who are lukewarm, this should stir up our passion. Father, I thank you. I thank you for giving us the privilege of gathering, Lord. Under different circumstances, we probably would have been in a category of groups that could not meet, but yet, Lord, you afforded us this opportunity. Father, I pray that we would heed the times, that we would sense how you're moving, that we would not miss the moment. Father, I pray that souls would be saved, that people would come to Jesus. I pray, dear God, that people who are far from you would come near to you. I pray that those who have allowed sin to overtake them in this season would be gently restored and come back to the place where you're their number one focus and priority. Father, I pray for a grace in this hour for evangelism, a grace for discipleship that we would heed your voice and grow, that even as this word has come forth, it was both encouraging, but it was also challenging. Lord, that we will be challenged to grow and that we will be discipled by you working through people in the body of Christ. And I pray, Father, that ultimately lives will be saved in the natural with COVID-19, but that lives will be saved and people would spiritually come home and receive you as Lord and Savior. Give us a grace for this moment to do what only you can do through us. We repent if we've missed the mark. We repent if we've been distracted. We repent, dear God, if we've been focused on the wrong things. You've got our attention. We hear you. And we'll respond accordingly. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.